Welcome into the Double Dribble Podcast. My name's Jordan Harper, and I'll be flying solo again tonight as Matthew Landry was unable to make it onto the show tonight. But let's just dive right into this rather disappointing game. Um, Alabama losing to Texas A&M 74-68 in Coleman Coliseum. That drops Alabama to 14-12 and overall, and Texas A&M goes to 13-12 and overall. Alabama falls back down to ninth in the SEC standings. Let's just be straight honest. This is an Alabama basketball problem. This isn't a Nate Oates problem. This is an Alabama basketball problem. This is his first year. He's changing the culture, and he's doing a great job. Recruiting's picking up. I'll touch on some of that later on in the show. That looks bright. But this has been happening for the past 10 to 15 years from when I can remember, from late in the Godfrey days to the the whole Anthony Grant era and the Avery Johnson era. It just seems to happen every single year where Alabama struggles at home and just overall in February and March. They do a good job of hanging around, and every once in a while, they'll be in position to make the tournament no matter what they do in February, but that's once in a blue moon. But they do a good job of staying around the cut line or being on the bubble in February and March, and they always have these stinkers of a game. Like two years ago when Alabama – or last year, actually, when Alabama lost to Texas A&M at home, when Texas A&M was one of the worst teams in the country. They, they just weren't good. And they ended up falling out of the NCAA tournament pitcher and didn't make it and ultimately lost to Norfolk State, which lost Avery Johnson his job. But this has been happening since as far back as I can remember the Mark Godfrey days of them just underachieving in when it really mattered the most in February and March. They'd lose these home games where they against teams like Texas A&M where they shouldn't. I remember some losing to Mississippi State or Arkansas when they weren't very good. But they're 6-11 and in their last 17 home games in February and March. And that's dating back to 2017. That's not going to get the job done of getting into the tournament if you're right around the cut line because that puts a lot of pressure on them to go deep into the SEC tournament, which you win one game, you're more likely playing Kentucky or Florida when they're really good. So that's something that this program is really going to have to dig deep and figure out, and it's all going to fall on the shoulders of Nate Oates. He he inherited this team. He's done a great job with this team overall, in my opinion. It's, he's turned this team around offensively, but they've obviously regressed defensively, which comes with the tempo and the pace of play that they play with. It's just hard to keep the guys on the court either out of foul trouble or from – taking a break on the bench to get some rest. And they they just have a lot of mental lapses. They over they overclose out on some guys which causes easy dribble drives or they just get lost in pick and roll off or in pick and roll defense and lose their guy and Texas A&M made 11 threes tonight and they're not a very good three-point shooting team at all. They're not a good offensive team. But you give any college basketball team wide open looks like Alabama did tonight, they're going to knock them down. They're, they're that good of players is where they're going to be able to knock down easy shots. And they did just that. And they hit 11 of 24 from the three and overall 44%. And they scored right around their season average of 70, 74 points. They averaged around 71. 
And if you would have told me that Alabama would hit 16 threes and A&M would only score 74 points, I would think Alabama would have won. That would probably been a closer game than I thought. But when Alabama's hitting threes like they are, or they did tonight, they typically win games. The past two games that they've they've shot the three that well against Auburn, where they made you know SEC record twenty two, and they were they made sixteen tonight. They lost both of those games, and that's concerning because when you look at the numbers, Alabama shot the ball fifty nine times, which is considerably less where they typically do in the seventies. But A and M did a good job of slowing down the tempo and forcing Alabama to play slower than what they're used to and end up forcing 19 turnovers by Alabama. But Alabama hasn't been doing very well just shooting threes. Out of their 59 attempts, 44 of them were three-pointers. Now, what does that do for a team? You could hit 16 or 15 of those threes, but you're going to get out-rebounded because you're going to miss a lot more shots and it'll cause some fast-break opportunities, and you're not going to get to the free-throw line. They only got the free throw line nine times against Texas A&M tonight. Texas A&M was a more aggressive and more physical team and got to the free throw line 27 times. They were plus 17, plus 17 at the free throw line. That is a huge disparity and one that really was the difference in the game because Alabama was just settling for threes. I remember they were, they were down by three with 56 seconds left, and they just took a pull-up three. It wasn't in rhythm. There wasn't – no, it wasn't good timing for them to take that three. But they just forced it. And that seems when they get in that mindset of shooting all these threes, they just waste possessions and they give runouts to other teams. So Alabama's going to really have to figure out of an, an offense that they can run where they can be equally as distributable shooting the three and – driving the lane and getting some fouls called and get the other team in foul trouble because Texas A&M was pretty comfortable defensively. Like they just let them, let them shoot the three at times, force it, but they did a great job of rebounding off Alabama's misses and didn't let them get too many offensive rebounds. It was about even 11-10. to 10, Alabama won the offensive rebounding battle. But give Texas A&M credit. They were the tougher team inside. They, they did a good job of keeping Alabama off the glass. But this is just an inexcusable loss for for Alabama, and it really dampers their NCAA chances when it comes to making the tournament at the end of the year. Diving into some statistics, um, Alabama Alabama was led again by Jaden Shackford, freshman out of Hesperia, California, recently named Freshman of the Week by CBS, which was an incredible um, honor for Jaden. And he continued his great shooting. He won 8 of 17 from the field. And to nobody's surprise, 15 of those shots were threes. And he made 6 of 15 of them. Kyra Lewis did not have a very good game tonight. He he shot the three pretty well, 4 of 10, had 16 overall points. But it just seems like when the game gets close and the game gets towards the end, Kyra Lewis just – He's not, he's not, he hasn't been a very clutch player since he's been in Alabama. And a lot of people remember when he couldn't hit the three free throws at the end of the pin game at the first game of the year that cost them a win. And he just seems to disappear at the end, end of a lot of games. 
John Petty had a, a, a decent game. He, he didn't shoot very well um, up to John Petty's standards at home. But outside of those three, it, it was abysmal. Javian Davis only played five minutes. Galen Smith scored one point in 18 minutes. And out of the other two starters, Alex Reed and Herb Jones, they combined for seven points in 39 minutes. That Herb Jones is hurt. It's obviously not not him offensively, but you got to get more out of Alex Reese scoring the ball. I mean, he had nearly more turnovers than he had points overall, which which is not a good number to have when you're when you're a starter. Texas A&M they had a very balanced effort. I was very impressed with how they distributed the offense. Buzz Williams is one of the masterminds of constructing an offense to attack another team's weakness. And they did just that and give them credit. Wendell Mitchell carried the team early with 13 points in the first half. He finished with 18 on 7-11 shooting. And Quentin Jackson was a guy that he really put the game away at the end. But going 13 of 14 from the free throw line all all game, considering he had over half of the free throw attempts that Texas Texas A&M took, was just incredible. He didn't have a good shooting night. He only made three of 10 overall, but he was a guy that came out of nowhere and really took the game over at the end. Savion Flagg chipped in with 12 points. Josh Nebo had 14, but they had a very balanced effort considering they only really played seven guys and four of them scored over 12 points. So they, they did what they needed to do offensively and defensively is where they really made their impact on the game, forcing 19 turnovers and really holding Alabama well below their season average of 83 points a game. So that's exactly what they had to do. It's what I said that they needed to do this morning in one of my tweets is that A&M had to play their pace and force Alabama to play at that pace as well because Alabama's not good at playing slow, which is a flip of the script from recent years where all Alabama did was play slow. But they're not good at running running offensive sets. They're, they're more of a dribble drive, kick out, take an open three, or run in transition and take an open three or take it to the basket. So give A&M credit on you know, really taking over the game and playing at their pace. Overall, the outlook for Alabama, they have five games remaining. They play, they travel to the Tad Pad to play Ole Miss on Saturday, and they come back or travel across to uh, Startville to play Mississippi State after that next Tuesday. And after losing AM today, both of those games become, you know, must wins. I'm not saying that they have to finish six and oh to have a chance at the tournament. Um, five and five and one would probably put them in the back in the conversation and probably have to win one to two games in the tournament or the SEC tournament to have a chance. But losing to a team that ranks in the 130s in the net and 160s in the Kim Palm is just just a damper, especially at home. I mean, that's a quad three loss that they could not afford. That's their second one of the season. It could be third, depending on how another team shapes out. So that that's that's a big black eye to a team's resume. And Alabama doesn't have the quad one win since LSU lost last night and they dropped to a quad two win. And 
Auburn surprisingly lost at Georgia tonight, so they'll more than likely drop out of the top 30 and end up being a quad two win as well. So Alabama will have zero quad one wins on the season, which when it stacks up against other bubble teams, considering you have zero quad one wins and three quad three losses, that's not very – you're going to be left out. And it it looks like if Alabama doesn't do as I said before, they're going to be dancing in the NIT once again. And – they only have themselves to blame. They had, they've had, they had several games this year where they should have won. They're up 21 at Florida, up 15 against Tennessee in the second half. Should have should have beat Penn, should have beat Arkansas. You could go on and just – Penn State, you could go on all season and find games where they should have won but didn't. And that's, that's Alabama basketball. And that's how they've been for the past decade, and that's why they're stuck in the mud and they can't – find the consistency they need to become a perennial NCAA tournament team. Now, do I think that Nate Oates will get them there? Absolutely. But they're going to have to flip the script, as I said before, and he's going to have to really change the culture, not not just change the offensive offensive scheme and play, you know, up, up-tempo, shoot a lot of threes and not a lot of defense. He's going to have to flip the script in terms of winning games. That's how you change cultures. You know, Buzz Williams is doing a good job of trying to change the culture at Texas A&M. He's winning games that he shouldn't. He won at Tennessee. Now he's won at Alabama. I mean, he's given that program confidence that they're going to be able to turn that around and have no doubt that he will. And Nate Oates is going to have to do the same. He's winning games that, you know, he probably shouldn't sometimes where he beat Auburn at home, beat LSU at home after losing big to them in Baton Rouge. But it hasn't come easy. Like they, they don't have many blowout wins where you like, okay, they controlled that game from start to finish. They nearly blew the, the game against LSU when they were up 18 in the second half. So Nate Oates is not going to not only going to have to just win games, he's going to have to win them to where you say Alabama basketball is here to stay and it's going to be a force. And until he proves that, it's just going to be the same old fans going to st- Fans are just going to expect them to fall apart in February no matter what their their record is. But I believe in Nate Oates, and every Alabama fan should. It is his first year. He's taken over a team that did go to the NIT last year and probably should have went to the NIT the three years before that as well. So it's going to take a year, year or two for them to get his recruits in and get his program to where he wants it to be. Now, speaking of recruits, there was a big swapping over from the, the game to something positive. There was big news out of out of Canada today. I know you probably didn't expect me to say there was big news out of Canada today on a Alabama basketball podcast, but there was. 2021 shooting guard Josh Primo has reclassified to the 2020 class, and he expects to make a decision in the next month. And it could come at any time, to be honest. He he said that he might surprise with a commit one day. And Josh Primo is a huge target for Alabama, and he's a guy that I think Alabama will ultimately land if I had to make a prediction right now. But he is a guy that Alabama really needs. He's six foot six, about 190 pounds, and he's only 17. And he's a potential one-and-done player. 
and you're probably thinking he's 17, he can't go till he's 19. But as I figured out throughout the day that you only have to be 19, the cat turn 19, the calendar year that the NBA draft is that you're entering. So he could be he'll be eligible for the 2021 NBA draft. So he could potentially be a one and done player. And based based on the the ESPN mock draft, he said that he expects Josh Primo to be a first round um, prospect, and he expects him to be at in the in the first round mock when they remake it since he reclassified. He is an elite shooter. He averages around thirty eight to forty percent from three in high school. And he he only averaged about 11 minutes a game for Team Canada and the under under 18 um, team. But I spoke with his his high school coach today, and he I, I told him he, he's an elite shooter, and he said an elite shooter is an understatement. So that's that's something that Alabama fans could get excited about if he ultimately chooses the Tide. And he has Alabama and Creighton and Ohio State that's still in the mix, but. He's taken two visits, and he's taken them to Alabama and Creighton. And I don't see him taking another visit before he before he announces. So I could see that Alabama would ultimately be the favorite here. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see how that transpires. But if Alabama could land Josh Primo and pair him with Keon Ambrose Halton, that's a really good recruiting class considering. Josh Primo is a was named a five star by twenty four seven today, so he's getting that elite level talent. Now he's going to have to mold the team. He might go the grad transfer route or um, the JUCO route. We've mentioned Keon Ellis on here before, which they recently offered a few weeks ago. So he's going to get his guys in there that he feels that's going to play the way he wants, and ultimately he's going to have to gel this team together. And I have no doubt that he ultimately will, but it's going to take time. And I know Alabama fans hate hearing that it's going to take time, but when you're in a rebuild, which Alabama rebuilds every four years, seems like it ultimately takes time. And I think Nate Oates is the right man for the job. And it's just going to take his recruits buying into his program and his culture to ultimately change some of these results. That's about all I have tonight. There's not not much positive to really to really talk about, but ultimately I wanted to do this podcast and kind of give a outlook on how Alabama's NCAA tournament hopes looks and drop a little bit of recruiting news for those that might have not seen it today um, on Twitter or social media. So until next time on Sunday, we'll have a big guest um, on Sunday and we will drop some hints and drop the podcast on Sunday and let so you can hear who is making a visit onto the podcast. Until next time on the Double Dribble Podcast, my name's Jordan Harper. Adios.